Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. His Word creates from nothing into the world that we see around us. But what Proverbs tells us is this, is we have a choice. Either our words can agree with the life-giving word of God, or it can agree with the death of the enemy of our souls. And so this morning, as we talk about the power of words, the power that God has given us to be able to speak life or speak death, what does that look like for us as believers? Well, let's start this morning with our congregational prayer. So if you guys can say it nice and loud and out loud, let's say it together. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, a couple weeks ago, Ryan was, uh, we were talking, and remember when he told me that, I, well, first, he told me I was a man of many words, and I had to correct him that I was a woman. Um, do you guys remember that? We were talking about parenting. Listen, I am, I am a person, I am a woman of many words. I have all the words, all of them. And then I was reading in scripture um, about a time where Jesus said that we would be held accountable for every random and, you know, word that we're going to listen. I was thinking about it this week and I was like, Lord, it's going to take me a while to get past like the pearly gates and that seat. Because if you have to go through all the words that I've said, all the randomness that has come out of my mouth, like it's going to take us a while. And, um, and with football season starting, I found I have even more words to say. So we love football in our family. Actually, we love sports. Sports is just, I, 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 I'm fully intent when my son is playing basketball, when my girls are playing volleyball, I'm just glued to it. You know, during football season, my husband and I are both talking back to the TV consistently but I have a lot of words to say. And when I was probably about 25 years old, the Lord really started to convict me and shape my words. See, I don't know about you, but I live with a lot of worry in my life. And yes, I know that worry is a sin. And it's one of those sins that so easily entangles me over and over again, because I worry. I worry about my kids. I worry about my husband. I worry about my parents. I worry, I mean, is the weather going to be okay? Lord, I mean, I pray so much to try to offset the amount of worry that is in my life. But what I found was this, when I was 25 years old, the words that were coming out of my mouth were very critical. They were full of fear. They were full of worry and concern about situations. They were death. And the Holy Spirit really convicted me again this week because a couple weeks ago when Ryan told me that um, I'd be preaching on this Sunday, I started seeking the Lord about what to say. 
And he dropped this back into my spirit. And can I tell you this entire week, I have been so convicted because I want my words to be encouraging words. I want my words to bring life. In fact, I want my words to agree with God's plan for my life. I don't want my words to agree with the death that the enemy places and desires over my life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I want my words to bring life. So as we go into this today, I've got a couple quick things of us looking at what critical and complaining words do versus encouraging words. Because I want to be the gatekeeper of encouragement in my home. I want to stand at the door and that what walks in is life-giving. And I pray that for each and every one of you, that your relationships, the situations that you're facing, you can speak those words of encouragement to them. You know, I asked my kids years ago if I was critical and negative or encouraging. I'm not going to ask them right now because I was way too convicted this week to even begin to ask them because I already knew what the answer would be. Y'all, I've been a little critical. And okay, don't y'all act like y'all haven't been critical. I was, I have, and I was so convicted, so I wasn't going to ask them again um, because I already know the answer. So I asked them a couple years ago, and they said I was encouraging a couple years ago. So there's hope. But I asked him, I said, okay, so I, I try to encourage you. Let's go, let's go, son. You can do this. Let's go, girls. Like, you, you got this. I said, okay, so what is the one thing that I am most critical about? And without hesitation, my son said, the house. I don't know about any of you ladies, but when my house gets a mess, Though it, it does not work well in the home. And so I have this way of walking in the door. I had to really work on this because I would walk through the door from work or walk through the door from church and I would see just, I don't know. I mean, I know they end up in their room fully clothed, but there's like, it's, it's, a, it's a line from the front door to their room. And I'm like, I promise that one shoe, why is there three shoes here, but he only wore two. You know, all of those things. And so I would walk in the door and immediately, I mean, it would turn on. And guys, I would start pointing out everything that was out of place and wrong in my house. I had to learn not to do that. So yesterday, what I did was, because my house was in disarray, on uh, Friday, I just sent a nice little text message out to our family group text, and it's called My Crazy Family, and I, I sent it out to my family, and I said, listen, it's on the family calendar, because we're organizing our house. We have a family calendar, everybody's appointments, everything's on it, and I said, I have set an appointment for Saturday from 10 to 1 that everybody's going to attend. We're cleaning the house. So that way I didn't have to say it, right? I didn't have to say it when I walked in, like, this is out of place and this. And then I sent them an entire list of what we're going to get done. So when they asked me, what are we supposed to do? Check the list. 
Have you checked the list? Because I don't even have to speak the words. The list is there. You know, having encouraging words in your home doesn't mean you don't point out the truth. But you point out the truth in love. Most of the times in hypercritical environments, there is a lot of covering up the truth. When we feel like we have to walk on eggshells around the person, right? We're not going to speak the truth in love because there ain't no speaking the truth at all. Like, you good? We good? Yes. Oh, we're all good. Yes. I'm going to leave that pile of eggshells right there. I'm not even going to step on them. And we need to have a home, a place, a workplace. We need to be the light of the world in a way that even when we speak the hard thing, it's accepted as encouragement. See, in encouraging, life-giving environments, that produces openness and honesty. And so we as believers have this opportunity to speak the truth in love. The first thing is this, the difference between complaining and critical words and encouraging words is this. Complaining and critical words will ruin our relationships, but encouraging words will bring healing and are helpful for those that hear them. Look at Ephesians chapter four with me. It says here, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let your words be helpful and good. Now listen, we're going to talk a little bit about what it looks like to speak the truth in love, but the first thing we need to know is this, is that critical words will ruin your relationships. And, and I hear... Friends, every time we come to church and we start to hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit and what that, sometimes we want to deflect that onto someone else. And I'm going to encourage you today as you sit here and as you hear the word of God, open your heart. Listen, I sat in this all week. The Holy Spirit convicted me of critical, complaining words that I was speaking. I don't want to ruin relationships in my life. I want to build relationships. And in order to do that, we need to make sure that we are speaking encouraging, life-giving, healing, and helpful words. Proverbs 15.1 says this, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. My grandmother, she passed away about 13 years ago, and she was a wonderful woman. Uh, she was incredible, especially if you got her one-on-one. One-on-one, she was great. I, I went to college in the little town that, that uh, her and my grandfather lived in, and I had breakfast with her almost every morning. We would um, play cards at the, at the kitchen table. It, just, it was a great relationship one-on-one. But my grandmother had um, a lot of wounds and hurts of her past, we came to we found out later on that her childhood was was very very difficult. 
And so because of that, there were some words that my grandmother would speak that would be very cutting. You know, she was strikingly beautiful. She was Miss Army in World War II. She won the Miss Army pageant. She was, she was beautiful on the outside, but the hurt and wounds and pains at times would make it very ugly on the inside. Now, this was something that she knew she did. It wasn't something that no one knew. In fact, um, it was even, you know, we, we laughed and we kind of, Joe, even at her funeral, um, as much as, as we um, missed her and loved her, it was kind of the, the little joke of, well, you know, grandma won't say this anymore, or grandma won't say that anymore. And, and it was just, it, it, was, it was a hard time because of the wounds that she had left, even in the middle of her family. But she knew that she was this way. In fact, anytime we would be sitting together at a basketball game for the university that I went to, we would all start by sitting next to grandma. We would all sit next to each other. But by the end of the game, everyone had, it, it was pretty amusing, everyone had moved away from Nana. She ended up having this huge pain, even the president of the university. He would come over and, and talk with her. But by the end of the game, Nana was sitting by herself. Here's the thing. My grandfather was the basketball coach of the university. So she would stand up there and say, now listen, my sister played for him. I played for a different college, uh, but my sister pay, played for him. And she was notorious for yelling out from the stands, Jack, do not put her in. You know she isn't playing good today. No. And then we'd all just, <laughs> Nana, that's Jean. We love you, Nana, but we're going to move away from you. See, critical words will put people at arm's length from us. Oh, friends, critical words will ruin a relationship. But encouraging words will invite people in. They will see a place of healing and hope and goodness when you start to speak words of life over them. The second thing is this. Complaining and critical words will adversely affect those around you. But encouraging words will lift a burden. Proverbs 12, 25 says, worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. Have you ever been in a situation where you've maybe gone to somebody and you have a difficulty and a problem, and instead of helping to lift that burden, they just start to push you down more? Yeah. Where you're like, oh, I thought it was a little bad, but now I think it's just the worst thing ever. Like, how am I going to make it through? See, critical and complaining words will find the worst of the situation and continue to push it down. But encouraging words lifts the burden. Lifts the burden that is on our lives. You know, I'm reminded of a, of a person in the book of Acts, named Barnabas. And Barnabas was 
so influential in the ministry and the in the in the travels of the apostle Paul that they took him with him because he was called the encourager. I mean, I can only imagine that the, the roads, those missionary journeys that Paul and, and Silas and, and Mark went on and all of these missionary journeys where they are pushing out and they brought Barnabas with them. He encouraged them along the way. Don't you think they faced some oppositions when they were planning the church in Rome? Don't you think they faced some oppositions when they went to Corinth and they were trying to, to inspire people? But Barnabas brought encouragement. I wonder what would happen in our lives if the people around us, when they brought us an issue, when they brought us a problem, we didn't weigh them down, but instead spoke encouraging words of life to lift them up. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. Number three is this. Complaining and critical words will taint our worship to God, but encouraging words allows us to enter his presence. Amen. Guys, I, I want to read a passage of scripture to you that is, I, I was a worship pastor for many, many years, I think at 23 years, and um, I want to read a passage of scripture that has become one of my favorite when it comes to worship. In fact, those of you that were a part of my choir, you heard this devotion continuously here at Transformation Church. And we look in the book of James, chapter three. It talks about what good words and encouraging words and praises to God looks like and what critical complaining words look like. James chapter three, verse eight says, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil and full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Years ago when I read this, it, it jumped out from the page at me. Because I realized that it didn't say that it curses those who were in Hollywood. And it didn't say that it, it curses those who are political leaders. It didn't say that it curses those who had hurt us in the church. See, don't we make excuses sometimes for our words because we feel like they're justified? Listen, the things that are produced in Hollywood are evil. There are political leaders that I hate to tell you this are only out for themselves. And there are church leaders who cause significant church hurt in our lives. But here Paul is telling us that it curses those who are made in the image of God. So who is made in the image of God? 
Well, you are my friend and I am. And those precious people who are deceived in Hollywood are made in the image of God. Those political leaders that are only out for themselves are made in the image of God. Do we speak the truth? Yes. But do we curse them? No. In fact, what we do is we pray for them. I have prayed for years for revival in the music industry like never before because I know that it is a gateway to our souls when the music happens. See, for those of you that don't know, Satan was the worship leader of heaven. And so the music that hits us and connects with us, what are those words saying? Oh, it's got a great beat and it's got a great rhythm and I love the voice that's behind it. But what are the words saying? There is power in the words. And scripture tells us here that we cannot come into this place and praise the Lord and praise our Father and in the next breath curse those who have been made in his image. See, complaining and critical words will push us away and will taint our worship to the Father. It says later on that, that springs of, of, of good water and, and bitter water can't come pouring out of the same mouth. Friends, words are life and words are death. This was something that was so convicting to me as a worship leader that I wanted to make sure that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart were acceptable in his sight. He is my Lord and my Redeemer. As we think about the words that come out of our mouth, are they life-giving and are they encouraging? Are they allowing us to enter into his presence or do they taint the worship of God? Number four is this, and this is the last point, is complaining and critical words will bring condemnation and judgment. Oh, but friend. Encouraging words will bring gentle correction and life change. See, our Father speaks words of life over us. In the middle of our sin, He looked down and He loved us enough to save us from our sin. He spoke a word of redemption over us. For in critical words will bring condemnation and judgment. We have to call out those things that are not of God, but we do them, do it the way Jesus did. There's a story in the Bible in John chapter four. And I'm not gonna read it to you this morning, but I want you to go back and read it this week. Where Jesus encounters a woman at the well. And boy, does she have some sin in her life. And in that moment, Jesus lovingly tells the woman of all of her sins. He didn't hide it. He didn't sweep it under the rug. 
See, our sins are not meant, it's covered by the blood and the love of Jesus. That's what covers sin. And he went before her and he spoke to her and he spoke encouraging, loving, correcting words. Because see, that's what brings life change is encouraging words. We speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. When we choose to speak encouraging words, even the hard words, even the hard things, but we speak them in love, it brings life. This last week, we had to sit down with our girls and we had a, a, a pretty rough conversation, to be honest. See, I told you before, we, we're open and transparent in our home and we, we try to get it all out on the table. There's a situation that happened this week and at the school and just something that we thought we needed to address with them. And as we sat on the couch, it was late at night, after a game and we started to bring up some observations that we had had our girls can I tell you teenagers really don't want to hear it doesn't mean you don't need to say it and so we sat there and we talked with them about godly responses and correct responses and correct attitudes and and as we're going through this, the girls both looked at me and said, Mom, we already apologized. And I said, you know, I'm so proud of you with that. I'm, I'm so encouraged by that. But this doesn't need to happen again. And I looked at my girls. It was late. They were exhausted. And I told them, I said, listen, more than you going and apologizing ahead of time, I am so proud of you for sitting here and taking this. Because a lot, and I told him, I said, girls, you gotta understand, a lot of teenagers, listen, a lot of adults, we wanna sit there and we don't wanna hear the correction that is brought to us. But if we can sit in that and receive it and change, Listen, I told them, I said, do you understand that there are jobs that you'll go on, that your bosses will correct you and you will be promoted, not because of, of how you maybe there might be somebody else that does a, a job better than you, but you will be promoted because of your attitudes and the actions that you have when you're corrected. And friend, life giving, encouraging words will bring life change. So how do we do this? You may be sitting there today and you're thinking, I have blown it, Andrea. I have said so many negative words to my spouse and to my children. I have lost my witness at work. My parents don't trust me because of the attitude and the words that I've spoken. So now what do I do? Well, scripture tells us this. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it says at the end of that verse, 
For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, we already learned in James that you can't bridle your tongue. It is impossible to control your tongue. Do you hear me? I've tried it. I've tried to be silent. It does not work. You know, when I, I tried so hard, there was a girl that I, this is so off subject. There was a girl I admired so much in college. She was just, she got the best grades. She sang in the, she was the sweetest woman. She actually ended up marrying my cousin, who was a lot like me. But she was the, just the sweetest, kindest. And she always spoke in this gentle tone. It was so calming. And, so, and I was like, oh, I want to be like that. So you know what? I tried it. And so I was, yes. And all of a sudden, the real me just started busting out. You know, it just, it, was, I, it wasn't possible. Friend, trying to control your tongue is an impossible thing to do. But what we can do is we can submit our heart. See, the, the key to changing your words isn't about controlling your, your tongue. It's about surrendering your heart. So if you find yourself consistently saying the things that you don't want to say, don't go to somebody and be like, I didn't mean it. I, I didn't mean it. First thing you need to do is to go before the Lord and say, God, what was that? Why did that come out of me? Is there something deep inside of me that's not like you? That's not what I, who I want to be. But obviously there's something in me that's not right. And then you go to the person and say, my heart wasn't right when I spoke those words. My heart was not right. Please forgive me. Don't make the excuse of I didn't mean it. Because scripture tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Humble yourself before the Lord and before the person that you have offended and let them know that's not in my heart. That my heart, my heart was wrong. I didn't mean for it to be that way. I am so sorry. Friends, a surrendered heart before the Lord produces life-giving words. Are you going to be perfect? No. This week, I mean, I tell you what, this is one of these things that we need to bring in front of us on a constant basis. This is, this is one of those um, uh, disciplined, Christian disciplines that we need to recheck and recheck. How am I doing with it? How am I doing with it? How am I doing? And listen, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it with our words. And I love that God's grace is sufficient for when we sin. If that's you this morning and you realize that there's some things in your heart that you need to get right with the Lord, I want to pray for you today. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your heart to the Lord. If you've never surrendered your heart to the Lord, today is your day. He wants to come and change you from the inside out. So this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, the first thing I want to do is I want to pray for those who have never accepted Christ in their heart. If your heart is hard, 
and you realize your need for a savior, would you just lift your hand today? No one's looking around. Yes, anybody else? Anyone else? Yes, anyone else? Thank you, Lord. For those of you that have lifted your hand, we're going to pray a quick prayer over you. And at the end of the service, our prayer team is going to be up front. And this is what I'm asking you to do. Come and talk with them. Let them pray over you. Take that step of faith. See, the decision right now is between you and God. But take that step of faith that you're going to make it public. Church family, can we pray this together? Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize my need for a Savior. I ask Jesus to come into my heart and I believe that God raised him from the dead. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate with those that have accepted Christ? All right, one last prayer. Close your eyes, bow your head. Maybe you've been following Christ for a long time and you realize that your words have been cutting and critical and complaining. They haven't been life-giving. With no one looking around, I want you to lift your hand and I'm gonna raise mine because I know mine was this week. Friends, let me tell you, there are hands all over this place. Right now, where you're at, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would forgive us of our sins. That, Lord, your word says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. That our words actually agree with you or agree with the enemy. And we don't want to agree with Satan. We don't want to agree with the enemy of our souls. We want to come into alignment and agreement with the life-giving words that you have given to us. So forgive us of our sins. I pray that you would heal the hearts of those that we have spoken those words to that have been that have been jabs and, and barbs in their life. Lord, I pray you would begin to remove them. Give us the courage, Lord God, to humble ourselves before that person and repent. Lord, I thank you that this is a church where we don't have to be perfect. But Lord, we just have to be surrendered. So we surrender to you right now. Lord, what do you have for us in this next season? What do you plan for us for this next season? May we give life-giving words, encouragement, truth, in love, spoken over those that are lost, spoken over those relationships that are broken. Lord, mend them back together with your words out of our mouth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.